be. Yeah, there it is. When that robot voice comes in, you know it is time to begin. And wherever you are, wherever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. If you're one of our geeks in sneaks, using this podcast to power you through workout or a run. Or hey, maybe it's that time of year you're curled up with family, all huddled around the podcasting device, listening with bated breath as to what will be DLC's favorite game of the year. Because it is that time, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached it. The end of 2023 DLC, of course, your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. Their generosity, their support, their goodwill means we get to make this podcast. And we are grateful. And in exchange, they get some cool stuff, including ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, bonus content, all kinds of bonus content, crazy bonus content. You got your your Wednesday paid DLC program where you're getting uh, feedback from patrons. We're talking about a prompt, a new discussion topic every single week. It's fun. It's funny. It's wacky. There's also... Feeling This, two seasons of Feeling This with Alex Solman joining Christian Spicer to talk about the feelings behind video games. And there's spoiler casts, extra content, more than you can really handle. It's uh, drinking from a fire hose and it's all available there for the patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, the main show DLC, it's the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also, games that involve dice and luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who hates the word best. He can't stand it. He doesn't have besties. He has favorities. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Speaking of Patreon... Folks were asking for it. We looked into it. We got some of our questions around it answered, and we have implemented annual subscriptions over on the Patreon, so you can subscribe for a year and save some money in the process. It's an 8% savings if you sub annually. You don't have to. Monthly still there, but if you want to, some folks were interested in that. They said it made a better way to gift it, where you could kind of you know, write the little coupon that you give to somebody for a year of DLC Patreon. It is available. If you go there, you can see the little option to do monthly or annually. Annually, save some money, join the party, join the Wednesday wackiness. <laughs> yeah, we're about to celebrate our 10-year anniversary, our decade of doing the show. Starting year 11, you can ensure we're around for another year by subbing a full year in advance. It's a, it's a convenience thing that people have been requesting. Uh, and uh, like I said, if, if that's too much, that's not a big deal. Uh, we certainly don't want anyone to subscribe to us, uh, if it causes financial hardship, but if you have the means, if you're able to, to pony up for a whole year in advance, uh, might be uh, convenient for you and for us, uh, either way, we appreciate our patrons support. It's the only way this show gets made. And this is not your usual show, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. uh, none of our usual mm-hmm. segments. We're, we're, we're talking about our favorites of the year and that means we also have our usual 
favorites of the year guest. Who's that coming on the podcast today? That's right. Danish is here. Tellermina, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) What happened? I'm not Danish. I said, that's right. Danish is here, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I am no longer embodying the ghost of Christian. I'm just myself. You are yourself. For the The end of the year. Yes. Yes. The ghost of Uh, Christian (laughs) past. This is, it's awesome to have you on every year with us, helping us uh, go through our favorites of the year. And yes, it is favorites of the year. If you notice, the title of this podcast is favorites of the year. And there is a reason for that. One that I think is best summed up in the form of song. Sampling. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Based on an incomplete sampling, we have not played every single video game that came out in 2023. How could we? We are simply three men with limited amounts baby. of time. And, and a baby. And a baby. <laughs> the baby's list, though, is going to be shocking. <laughs> shocking to all. Um, this is our end of the year wrap-up show. We're going to talk about our... Uh, the top news stories that happened in the world. We're gonna, in the world of games, we're going to look back on on the year that was 2023, and we're going to try the nearly impossible task this year of coming up with our five favorites. Yes, you may see a lot of other websites that do top tens. That's too easy. Too many Lame. slots. Lame. 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 That's right. <laughs> Take that, other websites and podcasts. <laughs> That's too many slots. We're, we're narrowing it down to our top five. We're going to have some other categories, and we always have our other top five, which is not six through ten, because that would be cheating. Our other top five of diamonds in the rough, uh, games that deserve another look, that might not have been our six through ten, but are certainly worthy of being mentioned again at the end of the year. So we got a lot of content to get through. So glad to have you with us, Anthony. It's always fun. And then, glad you know, to be here. at the end, we'll... Uh, We'll attempt to come up with a consensus of what the DLC favorite game of the year is. Yeah, there's going to be, I feel like there's going to be a tough one. Well, I this don't know. Is an incredibly tough year. Uh, I, I think there will probably be less overlap on Christian and my lists than ever before. I have no idea what's on Anthony's list. I mean, I have a couple of ideas, but yeah, I think your list is more wide open than I can remember in recent days. There's just... This of all years is the poster child for there's just been yeah. so much amazing content put out this year. I, I can't yeah. even. Yeah, it's true. It's just the the best of the best has been better than 
I can yeah. remember. And I would, speaking so of those fun. websites that do top tens, as yeah, somebody you, who you wrote a top one. ten for a website, <laughs> lame, <laughs> lame. <laughs> you put together the top ten, and then somebody goes, "Hey, we forgot about this game," and you're like, "Oh man!" So oh, man. Oh, typically, dude. a top ten is easy to kind of uh, hedge your bets, you know, and get and get all the the arguments out of the way. This year, you still had to cut off some really significant releases. Yes. And then you go to, if you go down to five, I mean, I had, I made an initial list just off the top of my head of my contenders for my top five. And there were 20 of them. 20. <laughs> yeah. There were 20 yeah. contenders for five spots. And I would, I would bet that most of our, like between us three, if you would take our 20th game this year, there's a good chance it would be number one any other yeah. year. Yeah. Like that's how yeah. deep the, the reserves go. It's, it's, it's an incredible year of video games. I think it will go down as one of the best. Uh, already people are are making that claim and I think it's justified. Um, so we're going to get into it, but first let's look back on the year that was from a story of the week perspective, because not only was this year a, a great for releases, there was a ton of huge impactful news stories. And um, I would love each of us to pick, uh, a new story that they think is is not maybe not a favorite, but the most resonant to them. Uh, but I won't make either of you pick this one. Uh, we'll 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 start with the fact that there were a lot of layoffs this year. That's my uh, favorite. <laughs> it's it's a, an incredibly sad year, an incredibly positive year for the quality of the games that have come out and the quality of the experiences that we've all had in this interactive medium. It's just nearly unparalleled the level of uh, skill and uh, artistry that's been on display, but the artists and the skilled workers uh, had a much more turbulent year. Just um, brutal. Just brutal. so many layoffs every single week. It seemed we were getting news of more layoffs and not just few hundreds, hundreds of people, entire studio closures, you know, amongst those layoffs, it was whole teams, whole, yeah, just terrible. Absolutely terrible. GameRant.com does a great write-up about this, Anthony. Um, and evidently, mm -hmm. there's a website called VideoGameLayoffs.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, it's sad that that even has to exist. Yeah, it. I mean, it, it was trying to, I think, you know, cover the scope of how significant the losses were this year in terms of just – Studios closing, uh, you know, publications, developers, all kinds of companies. I mean, even sort of tangentially related to video games like Hasbro laid off a ton of people, uh, many of whom helped the Baldur's Gate 3 devs uh, yeah. kind of get their D&D &D, uh, resources going. So, yeah, it. I mean, I think brutal, brutal across the board, um, but it feels very focused on video games for some reason. According to VideoGameLayoffs.com, approximately 9,000 developers lost their jobs in 2023, which is a staggering number. Uh, Unity, ByteDance, Embracer Group, Epic Games, Amazon, those are the top, uh, top companies that laid people off or the top number of layoffs at, at companies. And, you, you know, Bungie, Bioware, CD Projekt Red. I'm gonna, excuse me. Sorry. Um, so there, it was harder to find a, a top tier developer that didn't have layoffs this year, uh, it seemed. 
it's just, you know, one of those stories that we have to acknowledge as being a big part of the story of 2023. And certainly our heart goes out to all those folks that lost their jobs over the year. And uh, it's and also the, the press, the, you know, our, the yeah, our right. fellow content creators and journalists and enthusiast press, however you want to label it. It's been a terrible year there. I'm hoping that we're starting to see the Phoenix from that with things like Aftermath launching and, you know, the right. folks at Next Lander still doing great stuff. And you're, you know, you're seeing in, in Gertzman out there doing great stuff as well still. Um, and so I'm hoping there's more of that. Yeah. That kind of Tutillo rises. Just, and, Steven Totillo just released. It just uh, went um, mm-hmm. independent Klepik as well. Yeah. is crushing it. And yeah. so I think it's unfortunate that more folks are kind of forced into that situation as we were uh, <laughs> a couple Indeed. of years ago with yeah. this show and pivoting to Patreon. And we're so thankful for the folks listening and supporting us to make that possible. But it's tough and it's been tough across the board. And um, I, I hope, I, I truly, truly hope that we see, you know, the Phoenix rise from this and we see some great studios come up that are maybe leaner or more independent and able to do things their way and um it's not the end which i know is really hard to view it that way when you're in it but i truly hope yeah. it's a beautiful new beginning that's um coming soon yes certainly well said uh but it's 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 a it's a big part of what happened this year and one we i wanted to acknowledge right off the top it's not fun to talk about but it, it was a major it felt like every single week we were talking about new layoffs so hopefully 2024 will be a different story. I, I, I worry that that won't be the case, but I hope that it will. Uh, okay, Anthony Taormina, if you had yeah. to pick one story from 2023 in the world of video games that defined the year for you or, or was particularly resonant for you, what would yours be? Well, I've been, we've been, do, you know, I am part of the end of the year stuff. Uh, and I am lucky enough to be on some regular podcasts, so I do not want to talk about Activision purchase <laughs> anymore. Fair I enough. know you guys, you, you guys do it more than I do, and I'm sure you guys are tired of talking about it. Yeah, but so I'm going to just say the Grand Theft Auto trailer because that's some joy in my life and some yeah. excitement. I mean, unexpected. I think uh, I don't know how Was many people. It? I think someone thought it was happening. I think I think someone might have. This isn't that show, but I think someone might have been pretty certain a year ago that that was going to happen. Jeff, I'm, I'm just going to throw sure that, that out there. Someone was predicting Bully Two. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I hey, again next week. Not this show. A, not a this discussion show. Not for this next show. week. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I think um, whatever the case, as Anthony uh, indicated, a pretty impactful moment for the video game industry. I don't think. There's a trailer that you could point to that would be more anticipated than a new mainline Grand Theft Auto game. Certainly the viewing numbers uh, indicate that as well. You know, tens of millions and you know, I think it was 22 million overnight. Um, it, it's uh, what did you think of the trailer, Anthony? And, and what do you think it means for the industry going forward? Well, I mean, it, I'm very excited for the game. I Really, really enjoyed Grand Theft Auto Five. I really enjoyed Red Dead Redemption Two. It was my number one the year it came out. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how how they combine what they've learned on those last two games into evolving the franchise and and what they do with storytelling, what they do with the scope of the open world, what they do with gameplay. 
I was sort of surprised by the trailer. Usually they don't give you an indication of who your protagonist might be in the first mm-hmm. trailer. Usually it's it's narration and then you figure out later, okay, that was Michael talking or whatever. But this seems like it's a Bonnie and Clyde type of story and we're going to presumably be playing as the, the male and the female character as like a duo. That'd be the wildest misdirect if they're both killed yeah, in yeah. act one. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, that'd be very cool because it, it would be unexpected. But um, I felt like we got the most detail. Uh, the game looks very, very pretty. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super excited for it. Obviously, Grand Theft Auto Five, one of the biggest games of all time. So from one like the biggest anything's of all time. Yeah. So one uh, as a as a person that works for a website, I'm excited to just uh, dig into that. That's exciting on, yeah. on a different level. But yeah, I, I I can't see a world where this game doesn't blow me away just because they haven't stopped blowing me away with the games that they've delivered in the last, you know, decade plus. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was a lot of leaking that happened around this, but that's not the story that permeates, right? When we look back on this moment, we're not going to think, we're not going to think about that. I mean, we, it hasn't even come up in this conversation as you talk about it. This was, The trailer was released a day early because of leaks. It did have massive uh, problems trying to, but nobody's going to remember that. That's not what is going to endure. What will endure is tens of millions of views, people's excitement, what it means for 2025, because this is not a 2024 game. And Christian, I love the fact that Rockstar doesn't mess around. They're not showing you a live action this is what the game's going to feel like a debut trailer. They're not showing you a CG moments of uh, cinematic. Thi- no, here's what the engine looks like. Here's how crazy the world's going to be. Here's the flavor of the game right out the gate. I love that. Yeah. I mean, they, they came to bat with, you, you know, you're not seeing, it's not a, a demo, but they're coming to the table showing you what gameplay will be or what, they envision gameplay those parts of it will be um but also did a really good job of leaving questions you know the the vertical film where it looks like people are filming things for tiktok or whatever the gta version of it is there's a lot of questions about oh am i going to be doing that as the player what role do i play in this am i going to be able to pilot a fighter jet right off the bat and stuff like that they show a lot of stuff that is um exciting but unanswered. And I I think there are very few companies that do a trailer the way Rockstar can. They are able to just kind of continue to deliver incredible content leading up to the release. And then as Anthony mentioned, time and time and time again, the release delivers. It's not as if it comes out, it's like, oh, well, that Dead Island trailer sure was the best part of that game. You know, the game comes out and people are done talking about the trailers because the game is the best part of that game. It's 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 pretty incredible their track record and I'm very curious for GTA 6 as well because this is they've had turnover as well, not massive layoff style turnover, but some of the higher leadership roles have left and started new studios and there's in a little bit of a transition transition, excuse me. And I know some of those folks that have left clearly put in work and time on gta 6 it's been in development for a while but i think this will be a first release by them of what you might call quote unquote the new 
Rockstar. And I'm curious if we feel that at all or if it just feels very similar. But at the same time, GTA 6 could come out and flop and still be a better selling game than any other game ever. <laughs> really. yeah. It's not going to flop. <laughs> I mean, like it, for them, like it can't, yeah. doesn't live up to GTA 5's. Yeah. It may be critically panned, but it'll sell like hotcakes no matter it'll what. It'll be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we saw that with something like Cyberpunk, you know, where it came out and still sold, you know, 7 million copies. Call of, of Duty week. this year, Call of yeah, Duty 3, right. or Modern Warfare 3. Like, yeah. The, the only question I think that I have about this is, you know, d- did they announce it too soon? Uh, is, is it, does it going to loom over the industry? This is at least a year off, probably more like two. Um, you know, the, the uh, I mean, it's more than a year. We know it's more than a year off because a year next, next year is holiday 2024. It's at least, at least, you know, probably 18 months off, maybe 24 months off. Uh, so does it loom over the industry and, you know, cast such a wide shadow that it actually has a negative effect on, uh, as everybody's waiting for GTA six. What do you think, Anthony? Uh, it's hard to say. I think, I think that there, when they said, Hey, we're releasing the trailer, there was this sort of, uh, industry wide, hold your breath of, please don't be when our game comes out. (laughs) And then they said 2025. And I think a lot of people, you know, Sigh of relief. Okay. All right. We have we time. can figure that we can figure this out. We can navigate it. <laughs> yeah. I you know, I, I don't necessarily think that despite the fact that Grand Theft Auto 5 was a juggernaut, is a juggernaut, um, there was still some really successful games that released in that year. Sure. I want to say last of us released. Maybe not. Anyway, there there I think I think there still be games that will be able to uh make their you know, make their case known. I think Grand Theft Auto 6, just like Grand Theft Auto 5, just like any Rockstar game, doesn't need promotion, doesn't need E3, doesn't need a press conference, doesn't need, you know, the Game Awards. It doesn't need to release in a traditional time. So I think they could just plop it down in the summer when nobody's planning to release games anyway. And it would it'll sell like hotcakes and it won't really have an impact on other people's bottom line. I'm sure it will. Because we we get so crowded, but I think I think it will end up being fine. Um, yeah, but I I I do feel bad for you know like let's say Horizon Zero Dawn releases its third game, you know right as <laughs> right as Grand Theft Auto Six comes out, They're, they Something. are cursed. They are cursed. Something. Somebody but, somebody's got to come up with a better plan than that. Um, but yeah, there there's gonna be. I'm gonna spend some time in this game, so whatever releases is gonna go on the catalog. GTA 5 in 2013 came out uh, right before uh, Wind Waker HD. Uh, Link to the Past uh, remake. Let's see. Anything in October? It was in September. October was... There's got to be some stuff here. Uh, Rogue Legacy. That's funny. Um, Last of Us was 2013. Uh, Arkham Origins. Yeah, it was okay. Last of Us was, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember having a long conversation about, you know, what is is the game of the year, Last of Us, for like, you know, it's 
all of its cinematic narrative impact or yeah. Grand Theft Auto for the scope. So, yeah. but I mean, yeah, we still we still talk about Last of Us. It's not it's not as if the games from that year got completely washed away. Um, but yeah. yeah, I I do think that there is when they officially announce a date, somebody else will be around then and will go, man, you know, like an Alan Wake two situation with Spider Man. Well, we want a little more time in the oven, okay? Not gonna say that it's because was, of Grand Theft Auto, but it was right when uh, <laughs> Xbox One and uh, uh, PS4 were uh, uh, releasing. Or right now, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's kind of it's uh, the Last of Us. So it was the end of the PS3 yeah, generation. Yeah. I'm curious what Fortnite does, if anything, in response. And and I don't know. They haven't announced the online part of GTA 6 or what it will be. GT Online is such a juggernaut. I'm curious if we see these other if. Uh, Call of Duty does something big or doesn't. You know, they move their big event away from when GTA is coming out. Does Fortnite launch a new mode to kind of like a heist mode, you know, to kind of maybe get some of that or if they they move that. That's what I'm really curious about because what's really dumping the money via cargo plane you know, hull full of money every time is that online mode. Yeah. And so I'm curious to see how sticky that is and what other folks do. Christian, what is your favorite story from 2023? <sighs> favorite story seems, it, it seems a little weird or to call most it most impactful my favorite you know, story. Yeah. yeah I, I, I am torn and I'm not trying to avoid it. Uh, I think we will talk about it. We, we definitely need to talk about it, but I, I think the most impactful story for 2023, I think it's perhaps more impactful than Activision Blizzard, is what happened with Unity. Yeah. I think a lot of that stuff has been walked back, but John Rictello was walked out um, after those changes, where if folks don't remember, they really changed how expensive unity would be for developers they'd have a runtime fee based on downloads they made this big policy change without really answering a bunch of questions as to the practicality of how it would work if a player deleted a game and then re-downloaded it would they, would they have to pay again that wasn't answered whether or not it was part of a subscription service they later said unity later said well those don't count microsoft will pay for that if someone downloads your game via game pass and but microsoft never said that they made it retroactive to games that were already out. They made it retroactive for games that had already signed uh, an agreement to develop within Unity. It was a real cluster. And they walked a lot of it back, but not everything. And I think the reason I think that's an important story for gaming this year and going forward is I'm curious how much it sticks in developers' minds in terms of creating their next project be it Unity or Unreal, which right now, Unreal, they're the good guys. You know, they do everything right. You get extra money if you publish on their store, make it exclusive for six months. They're taking it against Apple. They're taking it against Google. They won against Google. Also, a potentially huge, huge story this year. And I'm really curious how long they maintain that role. And if you're a developer, what you look to do when you're building your game. You know, we've seen that games, even quote-unquote small games don't come out in three months a lot of the games that are coming out in 2024 that i'm excited about i think i would need to pull up a list but a lot of them have early access tags on them and those are from smaller teams and so i I think this is going to be a big story maybe not something that we continue to hear about 
but I think it'll be front and center for developers for years to come and how comfortable you can feel talking to investors. If you're a developer creating a new studio and you're going out and you're pitching your deck, does it, can you put, we're building in unity on it. Do you have to get more money to build your own engine? How does all of that work? I, I think it's going to have shockwaves are going to continue to be felt through the community for years to come. Yeah, it certainly changed the balance of power in the engine space, right? The the game engine world, it, it, it just shifted the balance of power and it was an unforced error, you know? It really was, it, it was wild to watch it because it just didn't need to happen. Unity was trucking right along. Everybody was perfectly happy using the engine, uh, making games on the engine. And then all of a sudden they just stuck their foot in it and decided, nope, we want to, <laughs> we want to vilify ourselves and uh, make everything uncertain, scary, uh, incentivize people to use other engines. It's just one of the biggest unforced errors I've ever seen. And uh, certainly one that, like you said, will have big ripple effects going forward. Anthony, any uh, added comments? No, I, th- here? I think you, I think you guys covered it pretty well. It's, yeah. it's, was a it was a bad situation all around and you know you your heart goes out to all the developers that were saying i don't know what i'm going to do you know i'm yeah. about to put out a game next year and now right. I'm concerned i'm not going to make any money off of it so yeah i like christian said i i, I don't i you know i can see a situation where they go hey we we're just going to slowly sneak in this whole thing we had before and just slowly slowly drip feed it back in and then yeah you know, somebody goes, hey, wait a second. They just did the thing that they said they walked back. And and that's that's the scary part. Yeah, agreed. Well, uh, I have a story. But first, we want to take a quick break for a sponsor. Yes, that's right, guys. Everybody mentioned it, but didn't mention it. And it's the story that kept on giving for this podcast. That's for sure. We did 50 plus episodes this year. How many did we talk about Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard King? Or maybe not. Or this time, yes. Or ooh, what are the, or the huge leaks. And oh my gosh, what did the... Somebody forgot to redact the, the pages of the court case. And oh my gosh, we found out who likes who and who doesn't like who. And circle this box if you're thinking about me. Um, all of the juicy, juicy, juicy details uh, about this wild, unprecedented kind of acquisition the, the biggest in the history of of gaming uh, and bobby's and, gone not yet yeah, and, but yeah, maybe that's when the, you're listening to this like final, it's still going the, we haven't even talked about it <laughs> the final punctuation for 2023 on this story is uh christian's wish came true and, and bobby kotick is evidently out uh before the first of the year I can't uh, talk about down. it on this show, but Diablo 4 is now my favorite game of the year. I have two <laughs> days to play it. You know, <laughs> once, so, once he leaves, I'm downloading it and loving it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so hard for him to have to get through the holidays knowing he'll only have his tens of millions of dollars of golden parachute. To- I think more than that. <laughs> I think it's going <laughs> to be more than that. <laughs> anyway, um, the, the thrust of this story, it, it was so fun following it. I know it, it may be, um, overstate its welcome in the sense that it, it was such a roller coaster ride, right? I think we always here on DLC sort of figured it was going to go through and it has. Uh, it's, it felt like the, the momentum was unstoppable and 
you know, capitalism going to capitalism. And if you got that many billions pushing for something, it's hard to say no. And it turned out that all the regulators in all the various countries found reasons to say yes. Which is um, interesting. Sorry, but it's happening now as we're recording. But, you know, we talked about NVIDIA and ARM, that one not happening. That was another big merger where competition, people kind of scrutinizing it and they backed out. And now Adobe and Figma. Yeah. A- Adobe was going to buy Figma, which is another design, collaborative design software for, I think, $20 billion. And it started to get scrutiny, and now Adobe had, is is walking away, and so yeah. I, it did feel inevitable, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft. But at the same time, it wasn't. It's not unprecedented for these billion dollar deals to not happen. And so I think in context, it's like, yeah, we all expected it to happen, but it's kind of surprising. I think, yeah, I think that it did. I, I, I think that there was a time I was at a uh, the Ubisoft Forward, I think, and the CMA situation happened. And I remember seeing Phil Spencer and all the suits zooming out of that and thinking, <laughs> oh, no. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of people said it's happening. No problem. It's happening. And then the CMA thing happened. And I think it for a little bit, it could have not happened. They had yeah. to divest a whole, you know, they had to basically sell to Ubisoft a whole portion of their company uh, or, their, you know, like a subsidiary and in order to make it happen. and and. Them being able to do that is, I think, the only reason if it went through. Yeah. Concessions all around. Yeah, certainly it was not no problem, right? They ran into problems. There were roadblocks, big ones. Um, and But, you know, it did it did come to pass. Uh, I think for me, the, the f- most fun part of the story, if fun is even the right word, uh, was s- getting that look behind the curtain. I mean, we got a lot just through discovery, both intentional and unintentional, uh, we got a lot of insight into how this worked, you know, getting to see those internal emails with Phil Spencer making his case for for certain things. It felt a little scandalous. It was a little scandalous, uh, felt a little voyeuristic, but it was also really educational in terms of how that role at the top of these kinds of acquisitions works and what, you know, who he has to convince and what kind of case has to be made and all the different things that that go into it. And, and, and we got a lot of real hard numbers as far as what stuff has made and what stuff, how, the value of things. It, uh, it was fascinating and really provided fodder throughout the year on a number of different fronts. Um, and how no one wants battlefield. No one cares about <laughs> well, that. That feels like so long ago, but remember it was just like, all we have is battlefield. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Well, no when, one likes it. When I was on, we, we had talked about uh, the last time I was on, we had talked about uh, Pete Hines leaving. And one of those emails was like, was, was that, was that like the, you know, the start of Pete Hines going, I think I'm out of here because yeah. he was very critical of saying, Hey, you forced all this stuff on us this you know game pass and how how you wanted starfield to go why are these other companies getting more leeway than us what's that about yeah i mean it it was it was the story that kept on giving and there's no writing the tale of 2023 without this a big part of it so uh for me the clear biggest story of the year although it was a year with lots of crazy stories so there you have it, folks. Just our little look back uh, at 2023 in terms of stories of the week as we moved through. Uh, but let's get to the meat of it and uh, talk about 
our favorites of the year. Sampling. Just to recap, we're doing our top five games of the year. We'll count down from five to one, each of the three of us. And then we have five additional games that are not six through 10, but that uh, are beloved to us and deserve to be mentioned again at the end of the year. Our diamonds in the rough, our dark horses. Uh, we also have some extra bonus categories for you. And I should note that before we started recording, Christian and I each emailed each other our guesses for what the other person's list is going to be to see if we could correctly uh, suss out the other person's uh, top five. We'll see how close we are to that stuff. I had, and I think all of us can say this, but I, I had an extremely difficult time this year uh, getting to five. It just was a nearly impossible task. And it'll be interesting to see if it was guessable because I, on the one hand, I do think it's guessable, but also I feel like I could have swapped in and out a dozen other games that would have all been just as legitimate to make my top five. Last year, you bamboozled us because we expected yeah. Marvel Snap to be number one. You were talking about <laughs> it right. so much. And you're like, nah, Vampire Survivors. Marvel Snap's not even in my top five. And we we're like, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah. You're trying to trick us now. And I was actually, I made a prediction last year that, that Marvel Snap would be one of my most played games of 2023. And I haven't really gone back to it. I haven't. I've actually, there's part of me that very much misses it. And I have friends that still play it and talk how much they enjoyed it. But there's also a part of me that's like, I kind of like that I don't have that constant addiction, you know, going. Anyway, there's so much, to, there was so much to play that I don't even know how I would have fit it in. So much to play this year. And, and, one one of the bonus categories that Christian suspected uh, uh, um, <laughs> suggested, excuse me, is uh, games we wish we had time to play, games we wished we would have played in 2023. So we'll get to that as well. All right, so let's start. Without further ado, Anthony Taormina, your number five favorite game of the year. My number five is Sea of Stars. Great, great, great. Game one that is definitely on my honorable mentions list, one that mm -hmm. could have made my list in a number of ways. Really love this game. Uh, did, have not finished it, but man, what an awesome, oh, okay, awesome game. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I, um, you know, there are those games where you start them and then you go, why didn't I start this earlier? And Sea of Stars was like that. Where I started playing it, and it's it sets up this, this idea of there's this guy and this girl, and they're they're chosen heroes, and they're supposed to go off and do battle against this final evil. But then it expands from there. It's very Chrono Trigger. It goes to some places that you don't anticipate at all. It it really kind of uh, expands the idea of a traditional JRPG. One of the cool things it does is it has a world map like a traditional JRPG, but you get to traverse it faster and get, get around quicker as you expand it. Kind of like in final fantasy seven, for example, when you get the airship. So it's really, I mean, it has so many really fun uh, story moments, really great characters. The 
the boss battles are really clever. It's not just, hey, you against this monster or a couple of monsters. They do some creative things where you have to deal with um, like a healing mechanic or, um, you know, you have to attack this one first and then that one, you know, you kind of learn the the mechanics of each boss fight. But when when it was done, I, I really treasured the experience. I think it's really well written. I think that the the world I could spend a, even more time in that lore. It's really clever in that like you start off and they mention these things like, oh, there's a pirate ship. And here's the lore of the pirate ship. And then but don't worry about that. And you're like, okay. And then you realize, oh wait, the pirate ship is now a thing. And then you really get to learn about the pirate ship. And I think that that's so great that they set up these little things that don't pay off until much later, but you actually get to learn about them. It's not just uh, set dressing. Yeah, a great game. See you. Great game. Comet system, super fun. Beautiful pixel art, just gorgeous. Uh, great yeah. soundtrack as well. Yes. Sea of Stars, excellent. Number five pick christian spicer you're number five uh anthony and jeff and dear listeners i'm gonna be such a good boy this year i'm not even gonna say the name of any other game that's not one of my top five i won't even mention any other games zero other games that aren't my top five number five was the hardest for me it was by far the hardest game to slot in the very tippy top felt pretty confident in that fairly early on as i tried to do this number five was extremely difficult i revisited games i re-re-revisited games i revisited those revisits i re-listened to episodes uh to get like initial thoughts of how i was feeling about games very hard number five my number five favorite game of 2023 is Marvel's Spider-Man 2 by Insomniac Games. It is the closest I've ever come to happening to platinum a game, if that makes sense. I, I think I've platinumed a game before, one or two maybe. But I don't usually see... set out to platinum it instead right, of just like, continuing like, to play. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. I'm the, you know, I was into trophy hunting at the time or whatever. Marvel Spider-Man 2, I just was having so much fun playing it, and it I did not platinum it, I should I should be clear, but I played so much of it, and I found myself having fun just doing things that the game allows you to do, whether it's traversing the entire city without touching the ground, or linking these combat things together, and then after I had done everything there is to do in the game, not trophy-related, but actual content in the game, unlocking all the suits, all the abilities, all the side missions down to the very end, you know, I looked and I was like, oh, yeah, there's probably only 20 more minutes of game, <laughs> of game left <laughs> for me before I would get that platinum. Just a triumph and so confident. And in the year, this year as well, of um, some troubled ports and some troubled releases. I think that was maybe more so in 2022, but it certainly was the case this year as well. It played so flawlessly from Go. Um, great accessibility features. A We did a spoiler cast for patrons they can listen to. Um, I think zooming out, I have some problems with the story, but in the moment, it's a very effective, very heartfelt story. It connects and it hits those big story beats in really emotional ways. The actors' performances are incredible. 
I think they really bring it to those characters. And I just love the combat. I love the wingsuit. I love the way they added abilities with gadgets. Every addition and change felt smart and additive to the experience. 60 frames per second and ray tracing. You know, Insomniac building on their Ratchet and Clank technology with the load times. Every single thing that I look to as a video game. It is a video game ass video game. You know, like there are moments where you have to punch people to help them. Like that, it's a video game. And I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. I think it's a triumph. And it's my number five. There you have it. I have a feeling we'll be talking about it again. I don't know. Marvel Spider Man 2 is Christian's number five. My number five video game of 2023 is. Marvel's Spider-Man 2. So we have some uh we have some real synergy. Same same game, same slot, Christian. And honestly, it speaks to how incredible a year of gaming it has been that this game is that low on our lists because it is top-notch on every level. I think it might be the lowest we've ever slotted a insomniac spider-man release uh but that doesn't i don't think that means the game itself is is uh less than stellar it, it means just the the year is is that much more stellar and uh i i just echo everything you said it's it's was, it's just fun it's a blast as a marvel zombie from way back comic book fan uh, the being inside this comic book world uh is is so much fun and it just gets spider-man and, you know, that's no surprise if you played the earlier entries into this franchise. But, um, you know, I love that they continue f- to find new ways to make it exciting, tell great stories, e- expand the universe of this particular take on Spider-Man. Uh, and it, it's just a blast. It's a, it's a great, great game. Um, Spider-Man 2, very much worthy of being in my top five. Number four, Anthony Taormina, your number four favorite. Game of 2023. My, my number four is Remnant 2. Ooh. Which, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't pick. think, I, yeah, I don't think most people would put this on the list, um, on their lists, but I had such a great time with Remnant 2. It might be my most, no, it's not, um, looking at the list, but it, I played it through co-op, the whole campaign with a friend, but then I also dipped into the um, sort of procedurally generated worlds helped other people played by myself. Um, I really, really liked the first remnant. I think it was a, a diamond in the rough on the year it came out, but remnant two improved on that in so many ways. I really enjoyed the way that um, it kind of combined this idea of it's sort of a souls like, but not really. Um, but it's a shooter and there's loot to collect. You know how much I love loot. Uh, it has very clever boss fights. They are, um, they all have a unique mechanic that's not just, hey, shoot this crit spot. Um, they almost feel like, you know, sort of uh, MMO-esque in that you're doing more mechanics to unlock the ability to do damage. Some of them you don't even do damage uh, directly. You, you know, you do different mechanics and that, and that actually damages the boss. I had such a fun game, such a fun time with this game um, that I, I just couldn't leave it off. I want more people to give Remnant to a try. It is super fun. You can play it with up to two friends. And the 
the structure of it evolves and, and you can go through the different kind of key areas in the game and see completely different stuff. Basically there's three main areas, but two kind of branching paths for each. So for example, if, if I played through the campaign and Christian joined me and we played through the whole campaign and, and beat the game outside of the final boss area and the starter area, we could then go into his game and see three completely different storylines, fight three completely different sets of bosses. It's not just you know one boss per area. There's tons of bosses. Um, and, and find new secrets. Sometimes you roll an area and it, it, it has you know, a, a down spaceship, you go into the down spaceship, you pick up an item, and then that item needs to be used somewhere else. It has a lot of secrets that are really fun to, uh, to figure out. And then you get rewarded with cool gear or cool weapons. And, and all the weapons are really well designed. They have cool mechanics. I had a, a gun that the bottom of it, when it reload, it has little fingers. So when it reloads, like the fingers open up and then it like pulls in energy and then the fingers kind of tuck it back in. Um, it has a really kind of satisfying sound when that happens. It's just a great game. I, I really had a great time with it and I I, I didn't want to leave it off. So I, wow. I had to fi- find a way to put it on. And, and unfortunately, it did kick some stuff off. Um, but I, I, it. it had to be on. It had to be on. Bold, spicy pick. I love it. Yeah. And right now, if you're listening to this uh, before January 4th, uh, and you want to play Remnant Two on PC? It's forty percent off on Steam. Uh, it's so on it's on Game it's a, Pass as well. Oh, is right? it on it Game might, Pass? It might be on Game Pass. I didn't I play it, it on Game Pass. I played it on um, PS4. Uh, uh, just that's where the friends are. But yeah, it's down to thirty Folks bucks on in Steam. The Discord. Sea of Stars is on Game Pass, though. Yeah, Sea of Stars is on Game Pass. Yeah. Uh, really great. I love getting those unexpected picks. Uh, that's why you know that's why Anthony's here. It says so right in his song. Uh, I don't think either of us even played that game, right, Christian? Incomplete sampling. Indeed. You're number four, Mr. Spicer. Well, my dog is excited about these lists. I've been trying to hit that mute a little bit. I don't know if it's going to come through or not, but she's woofing at something. As I, probably because I'm wearing her sweater for folks that aren't watching the video. I got my my dog Christmas sweater she's on. Like, my I'm number- cold. Why are you wearing my sweater? <laughs> Why'd you take my sweater? That's my sweater. Um, my number four is Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty. Now, this is, you know, Christian being Christian a little bit. Like, that's not a game. It's a DLC. And I would say, yeah, probably technically you're right. But can you start it from go? You can buy the game and you can go right to fan, right to Phantom Liberty. You can jump right into the new stuff just like they did with, I think it was Blood and Wine or, you know, the, the Witcher stuff. And it's a full game's length. It's not two hours. It's not three hours. It is an entire full meaty role-playing game experience that took me by surprise um i got a code for spider-man 2 we talked about that i got a code for this as well and you know this is where i need to get out of my comfort zone a little bit more and try some other games that maybe i don't think i'd love (laughs) as much because i don't know if i would have played it but for getting the code and all the awesome nvidia tech that is in it that gets me excited that will probably get me to try it because Cyberpunk 2077 at launch left me very meh. And the 2.0 update in Phantom Liberty is such an... The 2.0 update's incredible, and the story told in Phantom Liberty and the gameplay changes they made are just exquisite. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. I can't recommend it enough. 
best ongoing game. You know, <laughs> what else do you want me to say? It's the best. <laughs> best it's ongoing awesome, game. Though, and just stunning on PC. Just stunning. I I am uh, chagrined to say I still haven't made time for this. And I want to. I do. Everybody has talked about how great it is. And it's just, you know, there's just so much uh, out there. And it's, it's, everything's long. <laughs> Everything is big. And it's great. But I, I also have this waiting for me on my hard drive. So I, I plan to play it at some point. Hopefully there'll be a lull at some point, right? You have to hope for that. No, no Christian shaking his head. No, I was thinking that steam should do, should have a sale. <laughs> this is so dumb, but I love it. Like steam sells games for like pennies, right? It's like a dollar, $5, but you literally can't play it. It just adds it to your backlog. You can, it's just $5 to add it to your backlog. And that's, you can't, <laughs> it's on the list. It's on, on the, the list. list. Actually play it. You have to, pay full price it's like <laughs> more than wish listing you know you're like you're anteing yeah. up a little bit <laughs> <laughs> all right my number four game and i think i'm the last person that still loves this game i don't know why everybody turned on this game my number four is starfield i know that the, for some reason uh the the popular sentiment now is that this game was a disappointment i don't think the people felt that when it was released, but somehow in the shade of other things, like the first week it came out, everybody was playing it. Everybody was talking positively about it. In my opinion, my experience, but maybe I'm wrong. It got some big outlet middling reviews. I think IGN and GameSpot yeah. maybe gave it sevens or something like that. Like it's, I, it's, know, I think a lot of folks liked it, but visually I can understand people looking at something like cyberpunk or, uh, you know, Spider-Man or a lot of other, a lot of other games, Alan Wake and looking at it and going, this game doesn't hold up. It doesn't feel like a state of the art cutting edge visually at what we expect. It certainly doesn't feel like the next step forward for this engine of Bethesda games. And while that may be true, it didn't bother me. I mean, I've really much, very much appreciated the fact that the latest patch has some new bells and whistles, includes the DLSS, uh, additions you can have a higher frame rate things look much smoother and silkier it's it's not gonna i don't think it's an ugly game by any stretch of the imagination and i happen to just love this bethesda style of interacting with the world now that i can eat things without putting them in my inventory <laughs> oh it's wonderful and i the all of the little stories all of the little things to find all the all the quests are so beautifully designed and there's so many things i want to do the big thrust of the story is pretty cool and exciting the kinds of people i'm interacting with are always interesting to me i'm i love a bethesda role-playing game i love getting lost in a big sprawling world i found just wandering around mostly empty planets that I wasn't sent to go to uh, by any quest. Like I wanted to just wander and find a abandoned space station and kill some things that are there and loot some stuff. And I, I just, this is my kind of game and it really is a Bethesda game. And I think what disappoints a lot of people is that it isn't different enough that it is just Skyrim in space. But for me, that's catnip. I'm all over it. And so Starfield remains in my top five, lower than I would have guessed a couple of years ago, knowing it was coming. But uh, at number four, it is still one of my 
most cherished experiences of 2023. All right, yeah. we're at number what, three. We're in our top three, ladies and gentlemen. Anthony Taormina, you're number three. My number three, other game that's probably not on either of your lists, Lies of P. Wow, yeah. That was the, I didn't type, I didn't predict, but that, I was trying to think what your top five would be. And this is the only one I thought of, of like, this is an Anthony game. Like, yeah, this, it, I this, mean, yes. this is an Anthony game. This is your it Starfield. Is. You know, like Jeff is to Starfield <laughs> what Anthony is to Lies of P. 100%. <laughs> yes. Uh, spoilers, Armored Core is not on my list. But, uh, you know, in a year that From Software released. Oh, look released, who's bringing up other games now. <laughs> oh. It's not even, it's not even <laughs> top 20. It's wow. just a video game. It just exists. Um, but, it, you know, in a year that From Software put out a game, I think Liza P, the developers uh, at NeoWiz, put out the best imitator of a From Software game thus far um it leans more towards bloodborne than you know the souls mm-hmm. but it is it is incredible i think the combat mechanics that they introduced that kind of borrow from bloodborne and the the idea of you know you can attack to get your health back but this idea of guarding and kind of perfect parrying and learning the attacks and you're actually blocking the attacks and timing a button press and kind of learning this kind of uh choreography almost of like tap 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 you know one more hit <laughs> you know you're kind of like learning learning those attacks where in another game maybe it's dodge 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 you're you're doing something a little different the boss designs are crazy um this very kind of steampunk uh you know gear based uh mechanical uh world where these puppets and these robots and then there's infected people and it's all based on pinocchio and uh the story goes some places there's actually kind of a meaningful story to follow which is very different from a from software game um the world is beautiful Uh, yeah it just it it has that addictive quality that from software games do where you know you go through these little loops to get um, souls. And, and in this, uh, in this, it's a different version, but you know, you're leveling up your character, you're boosting your stats, you're finding weapons, doing things like that um, it has all those things, but it's, it's done so well that it's really hard to, to look at lies of P and not just say, I don't, I don't think anybody has even come close to doing as good of a job of emulating from software as they have. That's great. That's great to hear. Lies of P. I think that's available on game pass as well. It that's might I be. I was going to say that, Google. but I'm yeah. not a hundred percent. Taramino is doing his top five games that are available. Top on game five pass. game pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Christian Spicer, you're number three. This is the only game on my list. I did not roll credits on. There's a couple there's been a couple of these over the years where I don't roll credits on a top five favorite. I tend to include only games that I've completed in my top five, be it for that clearly interested me. So therefore I stuck with it. I think I had Elden Ring on its year and I did not roll credits in it. But this is also the game that I think I've spent the most hours with, or I should say that my system has spent the most hours with, whether they were by my hand or another. And that's Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. The 
only reason I say that I haven't rolled credits on it is on this show, I talked about how my brother-in-law and his kids were playing through Breath of the Wild as kind of this communal experience where he would do a lot of the adventuring and the combat and one of his kids loved cooking and the other kid loved exploring. And so they really had this like, they created this Voltron of the components of Breath of the Wild. And my kids were here when he and his kids were around and they heard that and got really excited about that. And so they saw me playing Tears of the Kingdom and they really loved the building. And so they wanted to play this communal style of gameplay, which I was not going to say no to, right? It, it's been so fun, but it also means that there are times that I'm not playing the game or they don't want me to engage in certain things because they're still working on resources to build their, what they call a mech, which I call a uh, OSHA uh, hazard waiting to happen. <laughs> um, but it's it's just a triumph of a game. And it's number three on my list. I, originally, I was wondering if it would be lower because I didn't roll credits on it. But it landed on number three for me because it is a game that after X number of years of playing games, it challenged me to rethink how I engage with a video game. And I talked about this on the main show when I was first playing it, where I was finally able to kind of embrace this idea of just meeting the game where it is and experiencing it and not finishing it, not making what I would call meaningful progress toward the credits. I could just be in that world, kind of like the way you were describing Starfield, Jeff. And I was happy to just climb a mountain and see if there was a shrine there. And does that shrine make me better? Yeah, I guess marginally, but I don't need to do that shrine to finish the game. You know, that kind of thing. It wasn't a required step. And I was really able to find my Zen place with it. And I also think it's a triumph for, while I think a lot of folks might say, oh, it's just Breath of the Wild too. It truly did not feel that way to me. I think the innovation they did with the building mechanic is iterative is in a big way not iterative sorry evolutionary in a big way it it really changed that formula and the story's hitting harder for me as well i think the story is beautiful i think it's told really well and to see this thing chugging away still on a 1984 nintendo switch you know <laughs> it's stunning i love it legend of zelda tears of the kingdom number three can't argue with that can't argue with that. I, it's one of those games that I wish I loved, you know, just like the original Breath of the Wild. Uh, I hear people talking about it, and I want to have had that experience. Maybe if uh, maybe if a Switch Two happens and I'm able to play it, you know, a little higher frame rate or something like they, you know, put it out on that or whatever. I don't know. My number three is my most controversial uh, because DLC for Vampire Survivors. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's a very late addition. It knocked something off the list that I was chagrined to see go, and it's a very late addition. And I I don't have enough hours in it to really know that it should be this high, but I sense mm. it. I sense it, you guys. Did Anthony I, send you a I, text I, about it? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's Asgard's Wrath two. I, this game is like my dream of what video games could be come true. It is the VR immersive adventure 
that feels sprawling and interesting and varied. It feels like, you know, you just did a, a Zelda game. This feels like VR Zelda in a lot of ways. It feels like you are inside a classic, iconic video game experience. You want to feel like you can swing a sword and fight stuff, find items, get more powerful, solve puzzles, explore interesting locations, find secrets around the corner, climb things, swing on things, wall run. But it, you're inside it. You're looking around. It's scaled to you. Asgard's Wrath 2 delivers that experience. And yes, it has only come out... <laughs> A few days before we're recording this. I mean, not yes. true, a week or so. But I have put a lot of hours into it already. I plan to put a lot more into it. I, I did, you, did you play with the update that just came out? When did that update come out? It's uh, two days ago, two or three days yes, ago. So Because I, I played yesterday. The, yeah. yeah, it has the 90 hertz Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, and the yes. better. Yes, the better visuals. Yes. Uh, yes. It's just for Quest 3, that is. It's just better better visuals for Quest 3. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the dream. It's big and meaty. It's not a tech demo. It's not mini games. It's sprawling. There's tons of upgrades to do. It's got cinematic storytelling. It's It looks great. It's completely standalone. I can be in my basement, not anywhere near my PC and playing it. I can take it on the road with me and play it. Asgard's Wrath 2 is my dream of VR uh, realized, or at least as close as we've gotten to it. Um, so I, I, like I said, I feel confident that as I continue to play it, it will continue to earn its place as number three on my list. Um, and, you know, I, I really want to give you guys my top five VR games of 2023 <laughs> because I think there was enough great VR games that you could, I could do a top five list just of those. And certainly this would be on the top of that list, but it's so good that it transcends its VR list and, and belongs on my, my games of the year. Uh, Anthony, Pick I know you, you've been, you, you texted me because you got an early copy of this and you were yes. like, Jeff, you're going to love it. Yes. Uh, it was, I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, but like when you get the mount, I was like, oh, this is like, this is a game game. This is not a, <laughs> like, I'm going to now have to travel between points and, and, yeah. and do things. And yeah, it's, um, it, it has done a lot of firsts for me. It's the first VR game where my battery ran out. <laughs> Typically I'm like, okay, I'm done. And then I charge it. But this was the first time where it was like, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to die here. So you need to charge me. Um, <laughs> and then I, so I wear glasses for any of the video, video viewers. Uh, and I, so I got a pair of the lenses for the quest three because I had been playing for so long. And, and though it's they're comfortable, it, it made me like more into VR than I had been ever. Um, and so if that, that is true for me. I, you know, I, I was like, Jeff is gonna, Jeff is going to lose it. <laughs> I, I did. I have. I've lost it. Uh, yeah. Top top three. Top three game of the year in, in this insane year for games. You know, this is a just a bonkers uh, year for games. And and there you go. It's in my top three. Also, it comes, you know, to uh, build off the Game Pass. It comes free with Quest 3 if you buy Quest 3. Yeah. It's the pack-in game. 
It's yeah. the pack-in game but for Quest 3? only for a limited time, and it doesn't have all the Quest 3 improvements because they were developing it for, you know, like, yeah. here's the small print. Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping that they continue to upgrade it like they have, where they add that yeah. Hertz mode and all that stuff. Yeah, they, so. I think they rushed that out because yeah. a lot of the feedback on the reviews, uh, I wrote a review, and that was, like, my main feedback is yeah. it doesn't look like anything you can see somewhere else, but. I just don't think uh, it's scope wise. at all. It's it's yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. pretty. I mean, it's very um, the graphics are sort of cartoonish, but in like a Zelda way. It's it's yeah yeah. It's great. Yeah yeah. All scope right. wise, it's unlike anything you. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. All right, number two, Anthony Taormina, your number two game of the year. My number two game of the year, Final Fantasy sixteen. Wow, wow! Did not see that coming. Really, we did a yeah. whole podcast about I know how much I like this the time. game. I just felt like it was. It I, was I think Christian the, could see it coming more than you because I would text him and be like, "Jeff, Jeff is hurting my soul. He's 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 saying all these mean things about my game." I'm. That's wow. true. I can, can confirm receipt <laughs> of texts. <laughs> all right, tell me why you put it as number two of the year. Wow. So uh, you know, echoing a lot of the things I said in the the kind of. Uh, paid dlc episode that we did but the story is big and bold and has just some really really cool elements uh it's still feels like final fantasy but the combat has evolved to be more modern with a dodge and you know a parry and um it's not it's not turn-based at all it's not final fantasy 7 remake uh, which is more of a hybrid than this it's it's very direct action and i just had such a fun time kind of learning how to combine uh, the kind of basic attacks with the icon abilities, finding different ways that those synergize and stagger enemies. It, it just, it became like this crazy, you know, dance of destruction that I loved. This game has, has got some outstanding sequences that are like platinum games level. This is bonkers. What I am seeing happen on my TV screen. Uh, I don't think either. I, I know, I know, Jeff. You you tapped out earlier, but I don't think Christian got there either because I kept trying to get him to get there. <laughs> um, I every person I say there is like, I don't really like it. I say, where are you? Get to this part, and if you still don't like it, okay. Um, yeah, there are some incredible cinematic sequences. I think the story is really interesting. I think that it has just it feels like a Final Fantasy game to me. It reminds me so much of just jumping into those older games and and just getting swept up in this epic story that starts really small and that just expands and expands and you don't really have a good understanding of how it's going to expand but you can only imagine you're so early on that and the conflict seems resolved that something else has got to happen i just yeah i just i really 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 uh had a lasting you know had a lasting impression on me with the combat, the story, the characters. Um, I would not be upset if they, I know that they said they sort of disbanded the team or the team is working on other stuff, but I would not be upset if they continued this story with these characters beyond the DLC that they have planned. It's interesting. to It'll be interesting to see what direction Final Fantasy goes next. Because Yeah, I, I know that this one was like, you know, very divisive and, I'm yeah. sure Final Fantasy VII Rebirth will sell better, but that's, yeah. you know, yeah. you got Cloud and Sephiroth in there. So, yeah, I, 
I imagine it will influence them and and the more direct combat will be for Kingdom Hearts or what have you, but I really liked it. Uh, from the moment I previewed it, well, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I was like, I think I'm going to love this game. And it, every time I played it again, I, I really did love it. That's great, man. I love it. That's amazing. Final Fantasy 16 at number two, Christian Spicer, your number two. Wowie zowie, Super Mario Wonder. Just does in. he say? Wait, does he say wowie zowie? He does say wowie zowie like okay. a lot, like a, a lot. lot, a lot, like a, like a right. lot. Like I a, guess I, I guess I don't pay attention. It's to his what new. It's his new catch. Yeah, it's his new catch. <laughs> well, I can for... uh, delete the email I sent to Jeff. Uh, confirmed. Uh, ooh, okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, wowie zowie. It's. Uh, I love it. I love Mario. I was kind of burnt out on the new 3D Mario or the new Super Mario approach to 2D Mario. And what those geniuses over at Nintendo managed to pull off after releasing two games of build your own Mario. You know, we gave you the toolbox. We're done. We're tapped out. Here you go, community. You make the next Mario games. And the community was like, we will. And they were excellent. In Super Mario Maker 2, you had the ability to create full-on games you know linking levels together and the community did and they were awesome and then the geniuses at nintendo found a way to reinvent and redefine what the 2d side-scrolling mario game can be getting rid of the timer is transformative in terms of opening up exploration in those levels the wonder flower is brilliant every single time it's used and it's almost always used for a complete in a completely different way. There are a few that feel like brothers or sisters or cousins of like other uses, but more often than not, it is just totally new, totally inventive. It literally turns the game upside down. And just the level of creativity on display in each and every level is phenomenal. And I love that it's pick up and playable. You know, it was my switch was on my coffee table. It was next to my bed. It was in my office. Like I'd have it near me. And it was the type of game where I'd be like, oh, I got time. And I'd run through a level and end up running through five or six. The multiplayer, I think, isn't the best. I prefer playing it. I think the levels are best explored solo. But the fact that it has the best version of 2D Mario multiplayer uh, compared to the other versions where it's less chaotic, less competitive, means that my kids and I got to play a lot of it together. We've started several new saves together as they clamor for each wanting their own. Like, I, I want to start on my save from the first level. Can we play on my save? Yes, we can play from your save. It's awesome. Wowie zowie times infinity. Super Mario Wonder. Nintendo knocked. I could do, you said you could do VR. I could do top five Nintendo-made games this year. Mm. Nintendo had a phenomenal, phenomenal year as the Switch apparently is being put out to pasture. But holy crap, what a year and yeah. what a game. Uh, excellent choice. That's Mario Wonder at number two. My number two for 2023 is Wowie Zowie Super Mario Wonder. <laughs> oh, what wait, a misdirect. That's confusing. <laughs> misdirect. Everything you said, of course, is true. Uh, it is a revelation as far as what's possible in Mario. It, 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 it one of the things you didn't mention is just how they reimagined every single bit of visual flair in the game, every animation, every yeah. sprite, every 
the look of the world, the look of the characters, the way they move, the way they emote. It is beautiful in a way that I don't speak about Switch games very often. I am just I love looking at the game. I love the way the characters move. It it feels like a Disney cartoon. It is delightful. It is whimsical. It makes you feel good every time you play it. And my son and I have gotten to the point now where we're we're tackling those five-star difficulty, insanely hard levels. And there's <laughs> yeah. so much fun to beat your head against the wall and try it again and try it again and try it again. And the feeling of of getting there and over going, getting over the hump on some of those super secret uh, levels that are just – there's this one level where you have to ride a rolling uh, hippo uh, across spike things. And if you fall off – and it is so difficult and it has been such a challenge – and he's like, Daddy, let's try to get, let's try this. Okay, let's use this different boost, this different uh, badge to to to. Yeah, the badge system. The badge system is a revelation. Every single, I mean, literally, the only criticism I have of the game is is screen deaths. Like the screen deaths in multiplayer, they have to come up with a solution for that because that's the the only not fun thing about Mario Wonder. But other than that, it is near perfect in in just how much joy it brings how each level, it feels like a, a new gift you're unwrapping, a new treat of like, oh, what are they going to, what wild new idea are they going to reveal this time? And even within the context of that new idea, what new wonder flower idea are they going to show mm-hmm. off here? I, I did not expect to love the game this much. Uh, it is extraordinary achievement, I think, for just approaching a decades old franchise with fresh eyes and, you know, taking something that we all know and making it feel new and exciting again. Mario wonder is a wonder truly. That brings us to number one, number one, the most And by the way, I think we've seen, although wildly Christian and I have had two Mm -hmm. synergistic not just the same. I games, mean, but the you same basically spots. just decided your game of the year, right? I think. I think it might be Mario Wonder. It might be. We'll. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but uh, well, I mean, we all have one left, and I think we all know what each other's one is. I think we do. I've been I playing a game in secret all year. No, <laughs> no. Christian's finally putting Diablo Four <laughs> on number one. Uh. All right, we're at number one, but I, but I, what I was going to say was, I think this year, as much as any other, maybe more than any other, uh, really underlines the fact that we call them favorite games of the year because there is no way to quantify an objective best game. It, it really is. These lists are such our favorites, what resonated yeah. with us as individuals. So in that sense, Anthony Taormina, your number one game of the year is... The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, it was going to be that before 2023 happened, <laughs> and it's still that bef- now that 2023 has happened. Yes. Um, I mean, what can I say? It, I loved Breath of the Wild. It was in the, my number one the year it came out. But I, you know, there were some things I didn't uh, particularly like the direction they went with the the um, the beasts kind of being your replacement for temples or dungeons. Boom. Tears of the Kingdom, 
temples. They're here. Um, there's not enough of them, in my opinion. I always want more, but they're great. Um, the story, I think, is one of the best Zelda stories I have experienced. It has some incredible moments. Anybody that has acquired the Master Sword in Tears of the, King- of the Kingdom knows how incredible that is. But also, how I get the Master Sword or how I decide to get the Master Sword versus how, you know, person B and person C gets the Master Sword can be wildly different. You have your own little kind of narrative that is created by the how you happen upon it. Um, the, I think kind of final set of sequences is amazing, which is, it makes me sad that Christian hasn't finished it. It has some truly, really, really cool moments. And that's all not saying any of the ultra hand stuff, which is just the goofiest fun you can have in a video game. It's its own mechanic. It's its own game. If you want it to be creating ships and, cars and and solving puzzles in the most obtuse way possible but making it work is so much fun um it blows me away how how many different ways you can tackle a shrine or a puzzle or you know helping the guy hold up the sign um it's just it's a it is i think it's my favorite zelda game wow i think it is my favorite zelda game wow um because it I mean, the the lack of tons of temples is sort of holding it back. But besides that, it just has such a great story. Um, it really feels like a, you know, kind of a significant wrapper on the the two games. It it puts a good punctuation point at the end um, saying, like, this is the story we wanted to tell. And it still captures like Zelda has to have specific things that happen. You know, you have to get the master sword and so on and so forth, but it does all that stuff in some really fresh and new ways that I really appreciate it. It's, it's an incredible game. There was, there was no game that was even going to revival this, to be honest. Like it was, it was Zelda number one and nothing came close. Wow. (laughs) And in a year of just incredible uh, games. So that's indeed speaks to how much you loved it. Uh, Wow. There you go. Tears of the Kingdom at number one. All right, Christian Spicer, your number one game of the year. Before I can answer, I'm feeling a little tired. I got to get, hold on. Needed to fill up my coffee and my, from my Oh Dear Diner thermos. I needed to get a little bit of, a uh, little bit of, okay, little if, sip. If, if his number one isn't paid for, it has now been paid for. Uh, they could. I'd love to have them pay me to have this be my number. My number one can be bought. What? Hey, my number one is Teeny Tiny Bubbles on Android. Or <laughs> if you play, let me write a postcard. Let me send you a greetings from Cauldron Lake before I tell you what my number one favorite game of the year is. Call Did of Duty whole... Modern Warfare Three. What? <laughs> I didn't Wilson? think. I, I didn't think they could bring me back. But let when you, Cardi B was parka. announced, put on the parka. <laughs> I wore it on my walk this morning when it was raining. Um, oh, boy. When uh, Alex, Philippe, and I did a whole spoiler cast about it, uh, I've rerun the final draft to get the new ending, which we haven't talked about anywhere yet. And it's Alan Wake 2. It's just, 
A triumph, a triumph of a video game top to bottom. I don't know if anyone else does what Remedy is doing right now. They got me to go back and revisit Quantum Break, a game I didn't much enjoy when I first played it. And I came into it with fresh eyes and a new gameplay perspective and started playing it more like control, more like a superhero or God game than a third person cover based shooter. And I've loved that re-experiencing it now. Alan Wake 2, I mean, it is stunning. Uh, I am a, a sucker for a pretty for a pretty game. Graphically, again, on PC with the beefy GP and all the NVIDIA tech running, the path tracing and DLSS 3.0, um, 3.1, whatever, like that most high-end cutting-edge version of it. We had a whole conversation with Jacob Freeman talking about <laughs> the tech in the game. I love that stuff, man. I am a sucker for it. And I think imp- the implementation in Alan Wake 2 is top notch. All of that graphics shininess is done in delivering the story. It makes those woods and rundown police stations and coffee-based amusement parks that much more... <sighs> taut tense uh spooky and i don't want to say scary it has it has some jump scares it has i think one of the best scare moments of any video game i've ever played late in the game but it also has so much fun and there's so much confidence in the game and it wears its pulp its hard-boiledness its cheesiness on its sleeve you know as a badge of honor the way it frames the core gameplay narrative of whether or not it's real, the way every narrator is slightly unreliable, but you as the player are kind of forced to choose one to believe because our dumb, dumb lizard brains need to accept that someone is telling us the truth as we spend 30 hours with them or whatever it ends up being. The performances, the motion capture, the mixture of live action and in-game cinematics, it is such a confident game and what the folks at Remedy and Sam Lake have delivered upon, I think is um, up there as one of my all-time favorites. All-time favorite interactive media experiences, top to bottom, just absolutely incredible. I was riveted, and it has one of my favorite gameplay moments of any game right up there with the Ashtray Maze, which is another Remedy game. Um, you know, that one, not cross, was it Crossfire X? That was a real stinker. They, I think they did the camp, the campaign for that, or they partnered with them for that. That was a, that was a stinker, <laughs> but otherwise, who doggy? What? I love it. It'd be my favorite game next year too. I think when the DLC comes out. So get ready, nerds. Just like the Control <laughs> DLC was one of my favorites. Whenever they release the Lake House and whatever the other one is, Christian will be talking more about Alan Wake. Sorry, Last not sorry. Last of Us on PS5, and then. Alan Wake DLC one and two. uh, Yes. I love how much you love it. Uh, It bums me out that both of your guys's favorite games are games that I bounced off of hard and quickly. Um, It makes me feel sad, but happy for both of you. (laughs) Uh, But also what a uh, year sad again, because my number one game, I don't think either of you guys really put time in either. Surprising no I one. Did, I did. I did. But okay. It's not it's not, not my your, type of game. Not your type of game. Get it. Then that's that's kind of how it is for me with you guys' uh number one games. Uh surprising no one, my top game of the year is Baldur's Gate 3. Um 
it's rare to come across a game that feels like it was made for you and is also everyone's, you know, everyone loves it, uh, but it feels like, oh, they made this specifically for me. Philippe's and, in it. You can hear him. You yeah. Hear him. Uh, you know, as somebody that loves Dungeons and Dragons, as somebody that loves Larian games, I think, you know, Divinity and Original Sin was my number one game the year it came out. Maybe two might've been my number one or certainly in the top five. Um, it retains that great DNA, which I think goes all the way back to my favorite game of all time, which is Ultima 7. Like these are the games that closest resemble the game that for me is my favorite experience of all time. It formative for my childhood. These are the games that are the spiritual successors of that style of gameplay. So I was certainly inclined to already love what Larian is doing. And yet they still managed to surpass themselves and surpass my expectations, which were very high. I mean, it's weird to say my favorite video game of 2023 has been on my hard drive for three years. But... It was a Stadia release. Your favorite game <laughs> yeah. came out on Stadia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was an early access uh, purchaser of this game three years ago and played the first act like twice. And then was like, ah, I got to stop doing this because they keep you know, deleting save games. But the full scope of what the final release is is staggering. Uh, I am. I have not finished it. I. Uh, it, it is. You know. I want to do literally every little thing in this world. Uh, <laughs> I love how dynamic and interesting it is, and the fact that they managed to bring the fifth edition D and D rule set into this game and make it feel so much like playing a tabletop experience, which is hard to express how hard that is to do um this is a rule set that is made for certain things that video games tend not to be good at um i could certainly have seen them take things from fifth edition that are applicable like combat stuff and and just uh, abandon all the stuff that's in the rule set that's there to facilitate great improvisational storytelling at a table but they didn't they took all of it and they somehow made all that other stuff not only work, but be valuable. One of the great revelations I had in playing Baldur's Gate 3 was don't ignore the stuff that doesn't seem to be the kind of thing you would usually take in a video game, right? There's things that you usually take in a video game like, oh, I could do this AOE attack? Oh, that sounds rad. Uh, am I going to need to, you know, be able to sense what someone's thinking? Probably not in a video game. And yet... <laughs> In Baldur's Gate 3, very useful things. You know, it's they have found a way to make all of that stuff feel like D&D. The storytelling is amazing. The game looks incredible. It's big. It's expansive. It's turn-based. It's it's made for me. Uh, you know, it, it's delight delights me no end that this game has been so successful for them, that so many people have fallen in love with it that it won the, you know, the game awards game of the year as well. Like it is not, it is not a, uh, out of left field pick for me to bring this up, but it also feels like this intensely personal game. I, it, it's, it's weird to me to have those things. It felt like that the year that, um, it takes two was my number one game of the year because it felt like, Oh my gosh, it's winning all these awards and people recognize it, but it felt like this really personal thing. And it's wonderful when those things, uh, come together and, I just adore Baldur's Gate 3 in the same way that you guys have spoken about your number one games. This is really one of those years where, man, 
what a joy it is to be able to play video games and talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that respect, we have a lot more to c- cover. We've gotten to our number ones of the year. I think Christian, as Anthony pointed out, it, it feels like our consensus uh, because it's both of our number twos is Mario wonder. A Jedi survivor for sure. <laughs> Sad that Jedi survivor didn't make either of our top fives. It's certainly one of my, uh, that, honorable now that I'm done but... with my top five and fulfilled my mission of not adding any other games, that that and Spider Man was a constant debate. I replayed oh, really? probably two two thirds of Jedi Survivor because I played it so early and I I loved it. We did a spoiler cast. I loved it. I loved the traversal stuff with when you get the witch powers, and I love how it starts you powerful and makes you more powerful. Yeah. Ultimately, what it came down to is uh, Marvel's Spider Man Two giving me that open world, that seamless open world. I could just fall into it. And yeah. Jedi Survivor, it's these bespoke hubs that would require me to go to a thing and load a thing to then do the thing to then get to the thing that I wanted to do. And Spider-Man was just instant fun. But I mean, it was by a hair. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I was like, I should replay some Jedi Survivor cut to 10 hours later and I'm still replaying Jedi Survivor. It's like, oh yeah, this is good. It was by a hair, but... You could purchase different hairs, and which hair did you even want? Mm-hmm. For, uh, it's very thick. It's a thick hair. It's like a big boy hair. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to some uh, honorable mentions in a second, but let's get to uh, what I often consider to be an even more oh, interesting but sorry. list. Sorry. Yes, Mario. Just to say, Mario is, the, is our it consensus is, yes. DLC game of the year. I think a yes. deserved candidate, worthy candidate, uh, a, a, a huge achievement for Nintendo. A delight and I, I love that it's our game of the year because it is such a positive experience it is so family friendly it is so joyous um if you had anthony where would mario wonder have rated for you in a larger list is it out of the top 10 is it out of it's top out 20? of the it's out of the top 10 so yeah. when you guys were talking about it i think i i was curious how much playing with your children influenced where it ranks for you um, sure very little i like okay. it without them <laughs> got it yeah because that's the thing in spite is of them he's like my son loves with my kids <laughs> yeah my son loves mario but he's just not there yet yeah um so it, it was kind of like i don't know if i want to play this that much and when mm. i would play it by myself i would think oh this is a good level we should have played together okay wow. this one's way too hard yeah. um i do yeah i do think it's it's a great game but i've yeah i've never really been the platformer guy like not bowled over by them but uh i can appreciate it uh yeah i 100 percent. but it, yeah right. it wouldn't have let's made. uh christian let's open our uh emails I to just, each other i just opened it i just opened your email Oh, you got all of my games, just not the exact order. And I think yeah, I just I had, missed one of your games. Huh? I had Starfield at number two for you. Yeah. And you had it a little lower. But I had Asgard's Wrath in there at number four. Yeah. So I had them um, just the order was and I had your number one, right? Which was not hard. Yeah. And I was surprised I took a swing at Spidey at being your number five. I was surprised by that. You included is this in order or is this just a group? I did it in order, but I wasn't certain of the order. So yeah. top to like Alan top Wake to 2 was number yeah. one. I would assume yeah. so. So yeah, you threw in Metroid Prime remaster, which yes, you know, like yes. Uh I might I talk about you were it in a little bit. Really make a point to include that game because nobody's talking about it right now. And I thought you were gonna really make a point to include that because you had loved it so much. Yeah. It is fantastic. Yeah, it's a otherwise on on the money. You know, orders a little here and there, but yeah. yeah. 
Too bad we know each other. T- took I guess 10 we years. do. I guess we do. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get to uh, what, I, like I was saying, what I considered often to be uh, an even more interesting list of games is our, our diamonds in the rough, our dark horses, five games that again, not our six through 10, but games that we just want to mention again at the end of the year. Uh, Anthony, why don't you step through all five of yours and we'll each do okay. that. Uh, but, you know, give them a, a few sentences of why they made your, your dark horse list. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, Chance of Sonar is... Almost made mine. So close. Yes. So the, the pitch I will make for this game is don't watch anything. Don't look up anything. It will seem very confusing because you need to start from the beginning. Just give it a try. It is a very, very clever puzzle game that in some ways can be difficult, but everything is in front of you. You just have to like kind of step back a little bit and uh, surface level, look at it and go, okay, well, what do I have in front of me? But it's not Obradin, right? Yes. Obradin is way harder than this game. Yes. Yeah. But it's also if you just say, well, what is this game? And you watch a trailer and somebody's like, you know, a few hours in, you'll go, I I don't know. But it builds so cleverly. Um, You're essentially learning a set of languages. Yeah. And but the way it does it and gamifies it is so smart. And it is uh, it has a really good message. Um, Like there's a kind of an overarching message to it. Yeah, I, I think it is it is a really, really good game that I wish more people would just give a try because I, I think you'll like it. It's fantastic. I, I was a little reluctant to give it a try. And when I did, I was glad I did. I, I was late to enjoying chance of Sinar. And again, it's doing itself no favors. Cause I think people think it's C H A N C E, you know, yeah. like chance, but it's C H A N T S chance of Sinar. Um, just a, a great game almost made this list for me. It is, it is really, oh, really? a special game. Yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead, keep going. Um, I, so I want to give a DLC shout out to uh DLC, like downloadable content, uh, to the high on knife DLC for high on life. Mm. Um, for no other reason than there is a gag in the middle of this game. Uh, that is the funniest thing. It, it, I lost it. And I, I think if anybody, if you enjoyed High on Life, if that humor clicked with you and you didn't know about this High on Knife DLC, it has no uh, no association with he who shall not be named. They have read new gun, different voices. Um, but it is it is a incredible gag um, that it is. It, I mean, it's, the, the DLC is only like three hours, but the, the gag is worth playing. Wow. Great. I just want. Yeah, I, I want to give that a shout out. I, th- I had a lot of fun with High on Life. I thought that game was Me too. silly, good fun. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, well, so it it is – the reference is kind of older. I, I think you'll really appreciate it. Jeff. I have not played the DLC. I might have to check that okay. out. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, keep going. Uh, are you doing these in, in any order? Are you doing – No, no. Okay. Just just all random right. picks. All right. Uh, this, so uh, you guys just talked about it. Christian liked it. Jeff, you did not. But I really liked El Paso Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of max Payne riff um i like the hard-boiled kind of narration i like the the music is great when it kind of kicks in and then um usually there's like a moment where okay you've saved all the hostages in the level and now you need to exit and then like the music kind of changes over and it gets really clever yeah i really enjoyed the game uh 
It's probably next to Sea of Stars, the game I played the most on my Steam Deck. It's a very kind of bite size. Mm-hmm. You can just do a level at a time. Uh, the art style's art style's very crude. It just has this this uh, this vibe that uh, is hard to uh, hard to understand until you play it, and then you you, you it either clicks with you or it doesn't. Um, my well, another choice is Planet of Lana. Oh yeah, I really love, it, love that and game. El Paso were just nicked off my my other, so I'm glad you're talking about okay. them. Yeah, yeah, Planet of Lana, I really really enjoyed. Um, it will give you kind of like inside or limbo vibes. You know, you're you're kind of walking left to right or right to left. You're doing some puzzle things, but very kind of scary, oppressive, like robotic monsters that you're trying to avoid that will horrifically kill you. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a just a really great art style, really smartly done puzzle mechanics that are not too complicated, but build on each other. And then it, this world that kind of expands that isn't just one note; it it goes places that uh, I really appreciate it. And then my f- final is that five uh, is the last faith. Which uh, mm. I talked about on the on the podcast when I was last on. I love me some side scrolling souls like Metroidvanias, and The Last Faith is a really good one of those. Um, good boss fights, good combat, satisfying dodge mechanic, um, boss fights that make you kind of learn patterns and learn when to dodge, when to get your attacks in, how to kind of like make sense of the noise that's on the screen to survive. Um, yeah, really like Last Faith. And uh, it's I always have to put one of those one of those side scrolling souls like Metroidvania's on there. And this is uh, this is my entry for this year. Fantastic. Great list of uh, diamonds in the rough. Christian Spicer, your five bonus picks. Dark Horses. It's not Quest three. I do not have a Quest three, but I will still trumpet this year, perhaps as the year of VR where this is, I know Half-Life Alex didn't come out this year and didn't get a, a port re-release this year, but I think this is probably the best year that VR has ever had. And I will throw out a few that are on PSVR 2. Again, I think, Jeff, you're right that Quest 3 is probably the headset to get if folks are looking to get one VR headset. PSVR 2 has an incredible library of games, updated versions of old games i think they look incredible on the oled screens provided uh, on the psvr2 but i will run through games that came out this year that i think are incredible that weren't talked about enough came out this year for psvr2 walkabout mini golf just a good time it's a great time solo it's a great time multiplayer i believe it's cross play as yes it is cross play as well so you can play with folks who have it on another headset really recreates the physics of mini golf and the DLCs are awesome. The Mist one, it's just, I mean, there's very regular mini golf style courses you can play. And then there are truly outstanding, you know, does things that only video games can do as well. Walkabout mini golf, awesome. Humanity, absolutely incredible. Great on a flat screen. If you don't have a VR headset, please still go play Humanity. I think it was nominated for Best VR Game at the Game Awards. It got some nomination at the Game Awards. I don't remember which one, but not enough folks talked about it. Their community is also great. You see them online talking about the community-made levels and the extra life that that gives the game. In VR, it is transcendent. Um, you know, you can tell it has the res and Tetris effect vibe to it, um, you know, that uh, connection to those games. 
it's awesome. Not enough people talked about it. I think it might be like Res when Res first came out. People kind of slept on it. That was this weird, quirky game. And here, you know, 20 years later, it's one of the greatest games ever made. I think humanity very uh, has that chance to be that as well. Really respected later as more people fall into it. <laughs> fall into it. It's fantastic. Gran Turismo 7 VR mode. Here's Christian bringing a mode to a best list, but it's great. I, ha- I bought a racing wheel and a stand for it. It's the full full experience. It's the best racing game, in my opinion, out there right now. The VR mode is incredible. They didn't half-ass anything about it. The actual racing experience. It's the best way to play that game, and that game's incredible. Gran Turismo 7 VR mode. It was free, too. A free a free update, much like Resident Evil 4 VR. It was a free update. Absolutely incredible. Then, Jeff, you thought it would make my favorite game of the year, but I'm certainly going to scream about it here. Metroid Prime Remastered. I love Metroid Prime. I love Metroid. Metroid Prime Remaster is the definitive way to play Metroid Prime. That used to be the Prime hack on PC that would kind of give you that dual analog controls that the community came up with. It's it's beautiful. The update to the graphics are subtle but sublime. The original GameCube graphics still hold up, and the updates they brought to it, uh, that Retro brought to it, are it's the best it's ever been. Not enough people, in my opinion, play Metroid. Metroid Prime is slow. It's like it, it's like making a cup of tea. You know, you got to just let it sit for a little while, and it just kind of gets better as you leave the tea in there. Then take the tea out. You don't leave it in for too long. But um, it's incredible. Metroid Prime Remaster. More folks should play it. And then I'm bringing another mode into my favorites, uh, or Diamonds in the Rough. And I talked about it on this show, but I need to shout it out again. You probably hear me shout about it uh, other places as well. And that's MLB The Show 23, the Negro Leagues storylines. Just an incredible version of the Michael Jordan-esque, you know, go do the things, historic moments that other games have done. The care and respect that San Diego Studios put into this mode and the history behind it. Um, I love baseball almost every year. Baseball playoffs is my parting gift. I've been spoiled by having two, count them, two very good teams in different leagues. I love baseball. I think it's a beautiful sport, and um, our country has an ugly history uh, for everything, and that includes baseball. And so something that celebrates the incredible players that we're playing in the Negro Leagues because our country did not give them a chance to do anything else. Some of the best players of all time, people don't know their names. And I think the Negro Leagues storylines in MLB, the show 23, does a really great job to highlight some of those players and hopefully make more people curious about the people who brought so much to the sport that I love. Great list. Great list of Diamonds in the Rough. I love putting together this this list because so many of my favorite experiences this year weren't AAA per se, um, but man, they still constituted some of the best times I had uh, in interactive experiences. So here's my list. I'll do it in order from five to one. Uh, Cocoon is an extremely cool mind-bending experience. Uh, the puzzles are so rad. You feel like a genius when you solve them. Worlds inside other worlds, carrying a world in one world, then leaping inside that world because it's in a new place in the upper level world. Hard to explain, but not 
hard to understand when you're in it. The game communicates its vocabulary just expertly, and it's beautiful. Man, Cocoon was an awesome, awesome experience. I also put humanity on. Uh, I think VR is the way to play it, but certainly uh, still a very cool experience outside of VR. Another awesome puzzle experience. Just so different, such a different idea. Kind of takes a little bit of Lemmings, kind of takes a little bit of, uh, you know, other kind of puzzle-y games, but creating something that I've just never experienced before and wild to be in VR and having these people leaping all around you and creating these cascading uh, waterfalls of people. Just, just a neat, neat game and so unique. Number three for me on this list is Shadow Gambit. Uh, the full title, Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew. Breaks my heart that this is the final game from Me, Me, Me Studios. Uh, they shuttered after this game released, and it's just a shame because Me, Me, Me Studios has created some f- just wonderful games. Shadow Gambit does feel like their crowning achievement where everything they've ever done kind of comes together. Uh, it is a... It is a tactical uh, game with a really cool theme, ghost pirate ships, um, the the abilities that you get, the, the, the puzzle solving element of it uh, is so much fun. It just breaks my heart that Mimi Mi Studios uh, Swan Song is this game, but more people need to play Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew. Number two is a game I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that talks about. Uh, Aces and Adventures. I absolutely love this game. It is make poker hands out of a deck of normal 52 playing cards, but do that in the context of a fantasy adventure role-playing game. Uh, Those two weird disparate elements both working together somehow is already neat, but the different classes that you get, the way the cards play, the choices moment to moment, the storytelling. It's awesome. Aces and Adventures. Uh, If you like card games, if you like turn-based games, check out Aces and Adventures. It's just special. But not quite as special as my number one. My number one card game of the year. My my number one card game of maybe several years. Uh, This is one of the best designed turn-based card game games (laughs) that I have ever experienced. And I would not have played it were were it not for Lana Bashinsky urging me to do so. And I'm so grateful she did. Wild Frost. This is amazing. It is hard to explain what makes it so special, but basically you're getting a countdown timer every turn of the bad guy's going to proc and attack you. And it's all about staving that off and coming up with strategies to prioritize certain things and the way you, you are deciding how you're going to manage the threat that is always, you have all the knowledge, you have all the knowledge in front of you and you're just strategizing. It's, it's so good. It has a wonderful art style. It, it's a delight. Wild Frost. Get this game. Play it on your Steam Deck. Uh, play it however you can play it. I adore Wild Frost. I played it with my son. He was coming up with strategies. It's just, it's just great. There you have it. My top five diamonds in the rough 
Uh, I love doing that that list so much. But there's a lot of games that didn't make our list. I do want to get to some honorable mentions, but first let's get to some uh, some other categories, like uh, you know the one that's not super fun to talk about. But what is your most disappointing game of 2023, Anthony Taormina? It's Redfall. I thought so. <laughs> I knew it. I mean, we had a short text conversation when they announced Blade. Yeah. And Jeff, we were like, what? What is, what is the appeal of this game? And I was like, well, it is arcane and it is vampires. And yes, Redfall was that, but it was not the, I don't want to say it's not the right arcane. It was a different arcane team. But yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think this game had everything on like a here are the bullet points that I would love loot vampires, a developer. I love powers, but I think it just got muddied by live service or not understanding how, you know, how to make this game fun or not how you know, how to make it work together, trying to do something that is outside the realm of what arcane had been doing really well with dishonored and death loop. And kind of stepping outside of it and maybe getting a little uh, kind of lost in the sauce, so to speak. Yeah. Similar to, uh, you know, what people's fears are with Rocksteady and Justice League. Kill the Justice right. League. Um, saying, well, we know what we want you to deliver us and you're not delivering what we want you to deliver us. And we're scared now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Red Vola just... Uh, Christian and I both previewed it earlier this year, and and I came away going, "Uh oh!" And it it didn't it didn't come together in a way that uh, kind of fixed those fears. It it actually felt really hollow and just didn't didn't really click on any level for me. Yeah, it's such a bummer. I know you were excited about that game, and and I think all of us were. You know, obviously this that was one of the major disappointments of the year, uh, industry wide. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully they bounce back as a studio with their next game. Christian Spicer, your most disappointing game of 2023. It's unfortunately a three-way tie, and Anthony already mentioned one of them. Um, the other is – it was it's expectations versus reality. I think sure. they're fine experiences, but I had high hopes. The other one is Forza Motorsport. I talked about wow. how much I love Gran Turismo 7. I just yeah. didn't – the single player, the way they did it, I didn't think it was great. Also, Forza Horizon 5 I think is just too good. And then one that when I the, I, I put it here as again as a three way tie because I honestly forgot it came out this year, and that's Destiny Two Lightfall. I love Destiny, and in my head I was like, yeah, that was pretty. That was last year. No, it was this year. Like I was disappointed by it so much that I pushed it out of twenty twenty three in my head. Like that clearly wasn't. That was this year. It's February, end of February, beginning of March. I think is when Lightfall yes, came yes, out. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, didn't. Didn't love. I loved the trailers. I did not love the actual gameplay. The Neon City, the new folks with like the weird uh, Schumacher style, you know, shorts <laughs> um, and, and nipples and everything going on. Just a bummer. I love that team and I love so much of Destiny 2, but Lightfall for me was a swing and a miss. My most disappointing game of the year with all... Apologies oh, to no. Anthony oh, no. Tarmina. Oh, it's no. uh, Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> oh, I got to send another text message. <laughs> I, Who's um, no longer coming on the show when Jeff texts him? <laughs> it's Anthony Tarmina. 
I, uh, Who's too busy on the holidays? It's Anthony. I, uh, I'm sad to see you know any shred of of turn based legacy leave the the franchise. Uh, and I I came into that game with really high hopes, especially because I'd heard some people, I mean, like Anthony, who had gotten hands on with it, just loving it so much, and it just so didn't click with me. I don't think it's a bad game. I'm not saying it's disappointing because it was a bad game. It was just disappointing to me personally because it was so far away from what I was hoping for. Um, I think Final Fantasy VII Rebirth will probably be closer to what I like. Uh, uh, And I'm very excited for that game for next year. But uh, 16, for me, was like I just – being funneled through this story and being wa- forced to watch endless cutscenes and then having to you know, walk two steps, another cutscene, and then the combat but system. That's Final Fantasy. Jeff. I know, but the, the in the mi- middle of that, I'd usually be able to have some fun turn-based combat or at least semi-turn-based. And this time, the, the combat system I just never fell in love with. Sure. And so there's that. There it is. All right. A uh, couple of more things I want to mention. Uh, do you guys have a biggest surprise of the year? Um, mine is Hogwarts legacy. That actually was mine. Really? Yeah. I have no love for Harry Potter in particular. Um, I don't think the books are that great. Uh, certainly the baggage of, you know, it's authors now and puts it even lower, but Holy moly. Is it a phenomenal game? Just a phenomenal game. And, you know, it sucks that it had to have so much controversy swirling around it because the game itself is so well made, looks amazing, really delivers on the fantasy, but is also fundamentally sound, like had good, good systems in it. Uh, And I loved playing it. So it was a big surprise. But I also, I think Mario Wonder could be in my, one of my biggest surprises of the year, too, because I, I, I knew it would be good, but I did not think it would make number two on my list. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. Hogwarts legacy for me. Um, I hadn't kind of kept up with it all that much. And, and, you know, um, I figured I was going to play it. I am, you know, I grew up with Harry Potter, so the books and the movies kind of have special places in my heart, uh, less so nowadays. Um, but yeah, when you start to play it and you realize, okay, this is not just Hogwarts castle. This is like a whole big area. Oh, I get a broom. I get a, you know, how they are able to turn the magic into kind of a parry block dodge kind of combat yeah, um, is very clever and being, I wish there was a more elegant way to switch between the different palettes of, uh, of abilities mm. or, or magical spells. Cause having the reds and the purples and you know, the, how they counteract and, and how they interact as well. Um, I wish there was a better way to do that. But besides that, I, yeah, I was so surprised how much um, there was to this game and how much uh, it, it felt like they could have just phoned it in, you know, and just said, we're going to make it. It is the best selling game of 2023, I believe. Um, you know, they could have phoned it in. Yeah. But it seems like they put a lot of care into making sure that they did the best they could with with the limitations as far as like, yes, you're not going to be role-playing a Hogwarts student, but giving you as much of that experience, making you go to classes, making you, you know, do these various things to experience kind of the uh, key bullet points of what you would expect out of a game in the Harry Potter universe. Totally. Yeah. Just a much better game 
you know, gone are the days, I guess, of, of shovelware based on you know, movie IP, you know, or, or Gollum says, hello. <laughs> I guess it's not quite yeah. gone. King, King, King Kong, Kong, Kong says, says hello. hello. <laughs> All right. I spoke too soon. Christian, do you have a <laughs> most surprising game of 2023? My most surprising game is Phantom Liberty. You just, you, yeah. you know, run over by how good yeah. of an expansion that is. Um, that's my game. So if you're filling out a spreadsheet, dear community, that's where you put here. But Jeff, because I have you here, my biggest surprise, I think, of the whole year in terms of gaming stuff personally, and I could be wrong, is I'm pretty sure you bounced off um, Burning Shores. You love Horizon, and I don't think you never talked about it again. And I am... I kept waiting to do like a spoiler cast or I didn't want to force you to it because it's been a year of a landslide of great games. I but I, I am I'm shocked, good sure, good it, sir, that Aloy didn't true. pull you back. I do love that game. And that is it, I think it was swallowed up in the torrent of releases. It's just there's just been things like that for me this year that have just been swallowed up by the next crashing wave. You know, like I oh the window of me playing that closed because new <laughs> yeah. things kept coming out. And yeah. I do want to, I do want to play it. I, I mean, it's still on my PS five hard drive, which is, you know, premium real estate these days. Cause <laughs> yeah. there's not a lot of room there, but um, yeah, I mean, I intend to, I intend to finish burning shores. It's a good point to call out, but you know, there's too many things. To, I just, I still stuff, you know, there's so many things I want to go back and finish. I, I want to mention some, um, Honorable mention. Oh, Christian, first you wanted to do the games you wish you had played. I think that probably is a perfect example for me of one. You have <laughs> one for yourself? Yeah. I mean, the number one game I wish I played, and it's not that I don't like it, it's that I don't have time for it. I think in the way I experience games is your favorite game of the year. It's Baldur's Gate 3. I yeah. hear people's stories about it and the incredible, you know, voice acting that is in it. And I'm a little afraid that we won't get games made like that anymore as more and more becomes AI'd and this feels like it has human fingerprints all over it, crafting this incredible once-in-a-lifetime style game. Like you said, the realization of those ultimate, not realization, but the evolution of those ultimate games and what I think video games started as, you know, like adapting these tabletop games into video form or these sports games into video form and i think polygon had a story up it was like baldur's gate 3 is not on sale but it's still the best value this black friday you know or something <laughs> yeah. like that like i yeah. want to play it i want i have it you know i could get it on my steam deck and i could stick with it i just know i wouldn't spend enough time on the systems to really play it in this year of too many games and i could lie and tell myself i plan to get to it next year I don't see that happening and it bums me out. It the waves out. will the still be crashing. Yes, they will. Uh, Anthony, you play everything. So I feel like this is the hardest, <laughs> yeah. the hardest category for you. Well, So yeah, I, I did. I gave Baldur's Gate a full, you know, a go. I think, I think the difference between you and I, Jeff, is you prefer these like cu- not curated, but like personal stories. Like you said, you like to tell your own story through the game. And I like to be told a story, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think I, there are still games where, you know, they tell me no story Elden ring, for example, where you're kind of filling in the blanks yourself, but there's still something for you to find. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say that I wish I liked Baldur's gate three more, but it's one of those 
rare games where even though it's not a top five, top 10, whatever, I could pretend like it was my number one game and tell you all the things that it does really, <laughs> really well. You know, yeah. I've watched countless compilations. Uh, there was one going around social media not too long ago where it was like, um, it, it was some silly thing about Spider-Man versus Baldergate, Baldur's Gate's gameplay, but somebody was showing how cool Baldur's Gate 3 is and sh- explaining of like, well, I befriended this goblin. Well, I actually saved this person and they helped me get in. I smeared feces on my face and I got through the whole play. You know, like it was showing yeah. all the different ways that you can do something. And just yeah. seeing that is very, very impressive. So yeah. I do wish that I had put, I wish I liked it more. Um, but so the game that I wish I played more, even though I did sample it, is called Wolong Fallen mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. something. Um, because I do like those like me some souls likes yeah um and i did like neo but it, it he just came out at the wrong time and people weren't super high on it that it didn't it didn't do enough to convince i think something else it was probably destiny lightfall which in retrospect i wish <laughs> i had played well long but yeah it, it, that's that's the one game where i i think i look at it and i go i wish i had had time for it because as we talked about on the last uh podcast i time i was on when this year ends i'm closing the book on most of these games yeah it's hard the way like i said the waves keep crashing we got more stuff coming right around the corner um okay i want to do some quick uh you know before we peace out here for for 2023 i want to do some quick uh honorable mentions the game that was on my top five uh that got knocked off for asgard's wrath 2 is a game nobody's mentioned yet and that is the talos principle 2 I adore the puzzle solving in that game. I think it's a gorgeous game. It adds so much cool lore and world building. Talos Principle 2, super good honorable mention. And then I'll list off a few others. I think it's certainly possible that if it had come out a little earlier and I'd gotten more time with it, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora might have made my list. I really think highly of it. Uh, I just haven't played enough of it yet, and I'm still playing it now. So... um, I mean, I, that didn't stop me with Asgard's Wrath 2, but this one, I feel like I really need to play more of it to, to know for sure. But it's great, and it's gorgeous, and it's I love the the movement and the the traversal. It's it's really cool. Uh, Jusant, the climbing game, I wanted to find a place for that. I love it. Uh, it's so good. Sea of Stars, we've already talked about. Chance of Sinar, we've already talked about. It's weird to me that a mainline Diablo game came out and it didn't make my list. I That's loved- what I scratched off the email. I told you before I emailed you, like I crossed, because I had handwritten, I'm like, I crossed one out. Please know I'm crossing that out ahead of time, not mid list. I thought that would make it. I thought that yeah. would make it. I mean, I, for a long time, it was on my top five. I really had a great time with Diablo 4. I really did. I think it's great. And I think it continues to be great. Um, so it could, ver- it would be in my top 10 for sure. Um, I just didn't make my top five. It is. I love the Diablo franchise. I love it. And I, I there's people who have negative feelings about Diablo for it. I am not one of them. I had a great time with it. Uh, and then Dave, the diver, which is another just delightful experience. So such a weird mashup of different uh, things. And I, I loved it. So, um, so many games that could have made my list. I think I could probably come up with 10 more that I didn't mention, but if, if you guys have any honorable mentions, uh, throw them out, a- Anthony. I mean, funny enough, uh, my 
like next five outside of so Resident Evil Four Remake we mm. we haven't really talked about yeah but outside of that we have talked about it so Hogwarts Legacy Spider Man Jedi Survivor and Starfield were were the ones that were kind of fighting yeah I, I had a real hard time with not putting Starfield on because I think what it does with the like new game plus concept is so so cool the best um, ending of any video game this year in my i mean ending is a i'll still be vague but the best of that <laughs> no the best ending year, is uh objective complete save zelda um <laughs> <laughs> christian but, uh, yeah it, it's oh, it's really good no, christian, no, no your, your yeah. honorable mentions yeah, these aren't necessarily six through ten because I think Jedi Survivor. You know, I talked about that, but these are honorable mentions that could have been my favorite game any year they came out, uh, and that we haven't spent a lot of time with too as well. Dead Space twenty twenty three, masterful remaster, one of the most beautiful games I've played, and just disgusting in the right ways. What a what a yeah. treat! And the updates they did are smart. They make it seem like that was the game. It's not until you <laughs> you go back and play the original, you're like, oh no. They totally, you know, fixed this fixed. We but. we could have had a whole category of just best remaster. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Street Fighter Six, which when I talked about, I said it's gonna be a shame that it's not on more people's list. Shame on me. This guy, <laughs> past self talking to current self. Awesome game. Pushed the genre forward, pushed the franchise forward. It's incredible. A great core fighting game. And the open, you know, the open world single player story is just so dumb. And the best, go visit Chun Li where she well she runs a t shirt shop now. Okay, you know or whatever <laughs> it is, really really good. Um, Resident Evil Four, uh, it almost made it. The, that free VR mode, get out of town. It's so that could have been one of my favorite games of the year, and it's just a free addition to an already incredible game. The only reason I think it didn't make my list this year is because I've played it so many times on so many other platforms that it just feels like dead space i had only played once resident evil 4 i had played a million times i think various versions over the year hi-fi rush came out in january yeah. i think like a yeah. you know bolt of lightning out of an electric guitar from a studio we you wouldn't expect to make a game like that beautiful vibrant um confident i think that's the more i do this the more important i realize that is to me in games is like the studio behind it seemingly being able to do exactly what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. And then uh, my other, uh, my, my fifth honorable mention is Starfield that we had Brendan on when we talked about it and we were all pretty high on it. And I think the reason it kind of tumbled out of my favorites and maybe even out of a top 10, but certainly a top 15, it is comparison to other games. I think as I went and played um, cyberpunk and saw how reactive and interactive those talking moments are. And that was like Idris Elba's performance, like seeing that in a big role-playing game kind of made me feel a little less interested in Starfield and the way, again, uh, probably cyberpunk and also some tears of the kingdom, the way my actions influence the world. I think I prefer that Starfield isn't trying to do that. Starfield right. story is you're the hero of whatever moment you're in but it kind of rubbed me the wrong way in retrospect. And forgive me for not remembering the names. It's been a while since I've played it, but like I'm the most badass villain pirate of the red faction ever. And then it's like, I go over to the good guys museum and I'm the best good guy that's ever museumed in the world. And I know that's what they're doing, but in retrospect, that kind of kept pushing it down on my list, but it's a, it's a triumph. It's a treat shooting pew pews and zero gravity. 
never gonna not be fun. <laughs> yeah. You know? Agreed. Well, what a year. 2023. Amazing, incredible, one of the all-time greats, I think. Uh just banger after banger, as we have outlined. Thank you for being with us this year. If this is your first episode or your 51st, uh, we are grateful that you've been with us all this time. Uh, and uh, next week is going to be a real fun one. Next week, you know, this was the episode <laughs> where we look back on the year that was. Uh, next week, we'll be looking <sighs> forward to the year that will be. We will have our reckoning of uh, the predictions that we made for 2023. And we will predict bold and cool ranch predictions for 2024 <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun and for the first time ever decade into this show for the first time ever our predictions episode will feature uh, a third participant lana bashinsky is going to be joining us so it should be a good coming fun in with a perfect track record that's not fair not there's fair. no reckoning for lana not we cool need to- lana um <laughs> anthony taramina thank you for being here buddy it's always great to have you join us on this episode and it, it's uh you know it's been a great tradition and uh yeah really appreciate yeah, no, it i mean i i say it every time uh i am the antithesis of christian i love this uh i call them top tens top bests whatever i like using that term i like making the hard choices yeah i think it's the most uh fun way for me to look back at the year is to just to just hash it out and go what which one which games did i really like and so being able to do it with you guys is always a treat uh you know, we're getting into that time where like Christmas is now every, you know, hovers around Sundays now. So it's going to become tougher and tougher, but I'm always uh, excited to do, to do the podcast with you guys. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, we hope everybody else out there has a, uh, a wonderful holiday season. Uh, don't forget to check out gamerant.com to see uh, awesome, yes. awesome stuff that Anthony is, is I wrote the top 10. There you it's go. not my personal top 10, but I wrote the top 10 if you're curious. Awesome. And Deborah seemed to like this game at seven, <laughs> so it got the vote. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks again, folks. Um, we need to thank uh, our musical contributors, Patrick L. Sean Madigan and Zero Star for our bumpers. Our theme song music composed by White Cube, which is uh, Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Thanks to our patrons for making this possible at uh, patreon.com slash DLC pod. Remember you can do the annual subscription uh, starting now. So uh, we hope that you'll take advantage of that and support us into 2024. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next year. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>